Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. Today, every believer is in one of two places. We are either holding back from Jesus or we are giving absolutely everything to Jesus. Let's examine our hearts now as we continue our journey in Acts chapter 5 with Cheryl Broderson. Here is part two of Cheryl's message, Full Surrender. Satan will always suggest self-protection to prove yourself, self-promotion and self-comfort. He will always do this. Look at the temptation of Christ in Mark chapter four. What you see there is that the devil is saying, I'm sorry, Luke chapter four. You see there that what Satan is saying is prove yourself. Notice how he says, if you are the son of God, If you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, prove yourself, prove yourself, prove yourself. Whenever you find yourself in a position like, oh, I need to prove myself, watch out. That's a very, very dangerous place. The better alternative is be still and know that he is God. Let Jesus be your defense, your fortress, your refuge. It will often begin like an innocent suggestion that offers some compromise. Often that's how it is. Oh, just, just compromise. Just do this. Just keep some of the money and nobody has to know. Just protect your comfort. Nobody has to know. In Psalm 141, verses 3 through 5, David asked God's help in resisting the ways of evil people. I find this so interesting. He says, put a guard over my mouth. I pray that every day. Put a guard over my mouth. I don't trust my mouth. My tongue is an unruly person. But what David is saying here is we are so tempted at times for our own self-protection to fight fire with fire, lies with lies, hypocrisy with hypocrisy, and we end up taking up the enemy's weapons. I think back to Star Wars, the third episode. I can't remember what the name is, like the Emperor Returns or something. And and there Luke Skywalker is before the emperor. And if he picks up that sword, he loses. But the emperor begins to say, I feel the heat in you. It is strong. Pick it up. Pick it up. Look, I am vulnerable. Just kill me now. And you know, you're like, no, Luke, no. And he's going for the sword. And you're just like, no, Luke, no, resist. Of course, we know he picks it up. And sad movie. But anyway... My point is this. This is what the enemy's doing. You know you want it. Just lie. They're lying. Look how strong their lies are. Just a little lie. You know, and he starts playing with our mind and strategies and schemes. The devil is a schemer. Whenever you feel a strategy going through your mind, this is how we'll do it. Ooh, that's a while of the devil. Don't give into it. So how do we resist the devil? 
Peter, uh, James said, resist the devil and he will flee. How do we resist the devil? I know that when those suggestions come into my mind, I have to say, no, I am not listening. And I pray for Saeed in Iran. <laughs> or I pray for my friend Amy Joy to be healed. I do substitution, cognitive substitution. I say, no, I'm not giving into that. I know that's not of my father. And I'm going to pray. I'm going to lean into the Holy Spirit. You see, the way to be free from being filled with the lies of Satan in our hearts, to be filled with um, Satan's tactics, is we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That, that is what we need to be. And today, either we're vulnerable to being filled, our heart being filled with fear and the tactics of the devil, or we're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. As you know, Sapphira came in just a few minutes later. Peter gave her a chance saying, Sapphira, was the property sold for this price? She conspired with her husband and she said, yes. And we know Sapphira was then exposed, humiliated, and killed. Because this is what sin will ultimately do. Expose you, humiliate you and kill you. But there is a contrast. There is a better way. And that is being filled with the Spirit of God in our hearts. How do we do this? We must continually surrender our hearts to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus said, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but that which comes out. For inside the heart are murders and seditions and, you know, jealousies and you know, uh, lies and ugliness. It's in our heart already. And we need Jesus to go in and do a heart cleansing. You know, every time I read that verse, you know, I'd like to think I'm better than I am. Oh no, not me. Though they would forsake you, not me. I'd like to think that. But every time I read that verse, you know what I do? I put my hands on it and said, it's true, it's true, it's true. Take it out. Take rulership of my heart. I can't do it, Lord. Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We can't even know the depths of our own depravity in our heart. That's why we need to give our hearts fully to the Holy Spirit, fully to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and say, Lord, you take over. You bought this heart with your blood. It belongs to you, and let Jesus reign in our hearts. Every day I pray this prayer. Lord, let me love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Sometimes I pray it three times during the night because you know what? I know in my own strength I am incapable of loving the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I know that. I need the divine power of heaven to come in and put agape in my heart that I might love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. But you know what? That is my life objective. Don't you want to make that your life objective? Let's make our life objective. Lord, let me love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. You've got to do it in me, Lord. And when we love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, you know what? There's no place for the devil. There is no place for his fears, no place for his thoughts. What is it to love the Lord with all our heart? It's to love him with all of our emotions and desires. Lord, let me love you with every emotion and desire in me. What is it to love the Lord with our soul? It's to love the Lord with our will. I will to love you. What is it to love the Lord with our mind, with our thoughts? 
that our thoughts might be focused on glorifying and loving the Lord. And what is it to love the Lord with our strength? It's to love him with all that we do. What can we expect when we surrender our hearts like this to the Lord and to the Holy Spirit? Well, it's seen in Acts 5 verses 12 through 42. And don't you love that there's only 11 verses to the devil and the rest is all for Jesus? The majority of this chapter is about Jesus. First of all, we can expect blessing. Look at how God was using his disciples because they decided to give everything to Jesus Christ. We're told that wherever Peter went, people were bringing the sick out into the streets and just Peter's shadow falling on them, they'd be healed. They'd be touched. And we're told that they were all healed. There were no exceptions. Everyone who sought out Peter, the apostle of Jesus Christ, was healed. Now notice, they came to Peter. Peter didn't go to them. They came with expectation that God would heal them. They were looking for Jesus Christ in Peter, and they found it. Jesus' work cannot be tainted by sin. It must be pure. And see, if Peter had regarded sin in his heart, there couldn't be this work. As, it's, as he said in verse 32, that the Holy Spirit is given to them who obey Jesus. There has to be this act of obedience to have the power of the Spirit. And what is that? We have to be given over to Jesus. We often find that people who pray and do not receive are harboring some sin or holding back some area from Jesus. I remember praying for a girl to be filled with the Holy Spirit for 45 minutes. And I was in a room, and it was one of those times where there was prayer going on, and I had these women who had never even prayed to be filled with the Holy Spirit, praying for other women. I didn't know they weren't filled with the Spirit yet. And they were praying, and these girls that they were praying for, they were um, college-age girls, they were all being filled in the Spirit. And later they came to me and said, okay, what just happened? Because we don't have that. And I'm like, ooh, you need it. So we prayed for them, and they got filled. But... As I was, um, I was praying with this one girl, and nothing was happening, you know, and you know, were praying and praying, and I just feel this resistance. And I finally turned to her, I said, honey, is there some unconfessed sin in your life? Because I feel like something is, is keeping back the work of the Spirit. And all of a sudden, she began to confess all this sin, all of it. It just like spelled out all this sin. And she started crying, and she started repenting before the Lord. And the next thing you know, she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And her countenance became from this to radiant. He gives the Holy Spirit to them that obey. We can't have compromise and the power of Jesus working through us at the same time. James said, can sweet and bitter water flow from the same well? The answer is no. Brackish water is salt water that meets fresh water. And what happens? It turns salty. We must, we must keep a full surrender to Jesus. And so we see miracles, signs and wonders done by the hands of the apostles. People brought the sick and tormented and the shadow falling on them. They were all healed. We also see the blessing of favor. Even the non-believers respected them. I think about Saddam Hussein and how he filled his cabinet with Christians because he knew he could trust Christians. Even though he himself was a Muslim, 
He filled his cabinet with Christians because they were more trustworthy than the Muslims. We're told in verse 11 that great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. And none dared to join them. In other words, no one who was harboring compromise, who wasn't willing to give it all, dared to join them. And people esteemed them very highly. Even Gamaliel, who was a known teacher and leader in Israel, advised the Sanhedrin to leave the disciples alone, lest they might find themselves fighting against God. And then in verse 14, we're told that God added to the church daily such as should be saved. Believers were coming in. Next, we see deliverance. These apostles were delivered. In Psalm 34, it says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous. I hate that. But it says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Talk about entirety. And, you know, I love it in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 where God has delivered us. And Paul says, and I am confident that he will deliver us from every evil. God is always delivering. And that's what we see. Though the apostles were arrested, though they were imprisoned in the common prison, locked up, guarded, they were delivered by an angel of God. This angel came and set them free and commissioned them, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Verse 20. Isn't that just amazing? These disciples were unstoppable. You couldn't chain them. You couldn't imprison them because they were fully surrendered. Their heart was filled with Jesus Christ. You know, we are saved today, but you know what we have right now? Eternal life because we've accepted Jesus Christ and death has no hold on us. Death has become a porthole to life and joy and glory. Only a porthole, only an entrance way. That's it because of the work of Jesus Christ. So this angel commissions them, go right back and keep doing what you were doing before. Don't stop doing it. And what happens? They're rearrested. They're tried. And Gamaliel, this leader in Israel, comes to their defense. They are beaten, but they are released. They are delivered a second time. And what does this lead to? Blessing, deliverance, and now boldness. They are more bold. They are emboldened. Beating them didn't do anything to them. As Peter says to them, we ought to obey God rather than man. When the angel opened the prison doors and brought them out, they returned right back to that temple. You know, talk about being sitting ducks. You know, they went right back to the place where they were found in the first place. You know, we would have thought, well, it's time to leave. You know, it's time to hide out, lay low. Not these guys. They were commissioned by the angel that delivered them, and they're going right back. And these temple guards know exactly where to find them. You know, it's the worst place to go if you want to avoid trouble. But there's no thought of self-protection, is there? There's no thought of, well, let's protect ourselves and protect our bodies. At their arrest, Peter boldly shared the testimony of Jesus. He was emboldened 
at his arrest. In verses 29 through 32, he says this, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to the right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Talk about boldness. These are the very people that crucified Jesus. And Peter is boldly proclaiming the name and person. But you see, Peter had allowed this person, Jesus Christ, who is exalted and on the right hand of the Father, to rule and reign in his heart. And because the Holy Spirit had filled his heart, he was emboldened. Though the attitude of the council was hostile, they were filled with indignation, they were furious, and they took counsel against them. The apostles rejoiced at the persecution. Verse 41, they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Now that's bold. That is bold. And then what do we hear? That they went back to the temple daily and in every house. They did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Messiah. They didn't stop. They were like, well, let's keep doing what we're doing. The Lord is with us. Today, every believer is in one of two places. He is either holding back from Jesus with compromise, which will lead to deception, which will lead to Satan filling your heart or their heart, and it will only end in exposure, humiliation, and death, spiritual and maybe even physical. Or we are giving absolutely everything to Jesus and we are being filled with the Spirit, and we are a conduit for Jesus' work, which leads to being used by God, blessing and deliverance, which gives us a testimony, and boldness. You know, be careful when you pray for a testimony. Just, I'm just telling you. Because a testimony always starts with a deficit. It's so important that we guard our hearts against any suggestions to hold anything back from Jesus. Any suggestion, oh, hold back, that will make you uncomfortable. Hold back, that will humble you. Hold back, that will, that will, you know, make you vulnerable. Hold back. Any suggestion to hold anything back from Jesus is of the devil. And it is very, very dangerous. There is no joy or reward or any good thing that can come from holding back from Jesus. We need to give absolutely everything to Jesus. There's a book that we used to sell. It's out of print now. It's called Fit for the Master's Use by F.B. Meyer. And in that book, F.B. Meyer talks about being a pastor, very educated, extremely brilliant. But he was preaching in London at the same time as Spurgeon. And Spurgeon just had thousands upon thousands upon thousands coming in to his uh, tabernacle. It was called Metropolitan Tabernacle, this, this meeting place that he had. It was just packed out. And Spurgeon was known for his eloquence. He taught at the Crystal, uh, Crystal Palace in London, and it was absolutely packed out. In fact, Spurgeon had gone there earlier and was shouting just to see the acoustics and where he should stand. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God. And there was an avowed atheist who was the caretaker 
for the Crystal Palace. And just hearing Spurgeon say that, he fell on his knees and gave his life to Jesus Christ. <laughs> Spurgeon was so powerfully used. And here's F.B. Meyer. Now, Spurgeon wasn't educated. F.B. Meyer was highly educated. And he was brilliant. He was a prolific writer. He was intelligent. And he met this uneducated American, D.L. Moody. And when he first met D.L. Moody, he almost disdained him because D.L. Moody was terrible with the English language, absolutely butchered it. And D.L. Moody was not educated beyond seventh grade. And so here's, here's F.B. Meyer, and he has to play D.L. Moody's host in England, this uneducated American. And you know, there was this English disdain at that time for Americans. And there he is. And every place that Moody goes, revival breaks out. And two of the men who got saved during the Moody revival was, one was C.T. Studd and the other was a man named S.P. Smith. Now, they said that C.T. Studd could, he was educated at Oxford, but they really just let him through because he was such a good cricket player that he could barely talk. He stumbled over his words. It wasn't very good. And then there was S.B. Smith, who was just kind of your average intelligence. But they had gotten saved at D.L. Moody revival, and they were on fire for Jesus Christ. And after D.L. Moody left, S.P. Smith and C.T. Studd, and why they went by their initials, I don't know. But they were saved under D.L. Moody. So, but, and they did meet F.B. Meyer. I don't know what initials in English, what that, why. D.L. Moody was American. But anyway, a lot of people didn't like their first name. They, they were going around to these different churches and college campuses, like St. Andrew's College in Scotland, and these huge revivals would break forth again every place that these young men went. So F.B. Meyer invited them to his church in London. And what happened? The whole church revived. All these young people came in, and they all got saved. And the Lord started a fire in F.B. Meyer's church. But F.B. Meyer felt like he was on the outside of everything looking in, and he didn't even know if he approved of it. He's the pastor. It was out of his control. He didn't know if he approved. He's looking on, and he's saying, I don't know what's going on. So he decided to search out those two men. And he asked, can I meet with you? And they said, yes, come around four or five in the morning. That's when we get up. F.B. Meyer made his way through the streets of London to the place that uh, Smith and Studd were staying at. And he found them in their room. This is the late 1800s, reading their Bibles by candlelight and praying. And he sat with them and he said, all right, what is it that you have that I don't have? What is it? I pour over the word. I look at the word. I read the word. I preach. But I don't have what you have. I have a better education. I've been a Christian longer. I'm older. I'm established. But I don't have what you have. And they looked at him and they said, have you given God absolutely everything? And F.B. Meyer said, I suppose in a general sense I have but perhaps not the particulars. And C.T. Studd looked at him and said, but it's the particulars that count. F.B. Meyer went back to his house. He got on his knees, and he spent the rest of the day giving God the particulars of his life. 
And after that, F.B. Meyer became one of the most noteworthy, anointed preachers in England. I would leave you with this thought today. Have you given Jesus Christ absolutely everything? Absolutely everything. Because he gives the Holy Spirit to them that obey. And perhaps you would say, I have in a general sense. And I would say, but it's the particulars that count. Today, Cheryl has left us with a life-changing question that we almost answer. Have you given Jesus Christ absolutely everything? We must continually surrender our hearts to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Let's make this our prayer. Jesus, I need you to go in and do a heart cleansing. Lord, let me love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord Jesus, I give you my full surrender. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study with Cheryl Broderson. If you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply visit our website at graciouswords.com or call 1-800-733-6443 and refer to it by name, which is Full Surrender. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, Cheryl will continue teaching in Acts as we look at chapters 6 and 7 with her message, Without Him We Can Do Nothing. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.